when the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. This is not a proverb nor a wise saying. It is the word of God. One of the African proverbs says to us, when a child does not feel the warmth of the village that reared it, he will burn down the village to feel the warmth of the fire. So as we consider protests that take place in the land, let us not think momentarily that protests come from nowhere. Protests often arise out of injustice that is not being dealt with, sentence that is not being executed, Protest arises when Ahmad Arbery on February 23rd takes a run, but those that hunt him and kill him walk freely. Protest arise when Breonna Taylor rests in her own home and is executed with eight gunshots after asking who knocks at my door. Protest arise after George Floyd lie on concrete and is crucified, if you will, and days go by, and the perpetrator is not even questioned because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. As we pray today, would you pray for the families, especially the family of George Floyd? Pray for the families of First Baptist Church. Pray for the families of Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and all of those who have had their lives wrongfully taken. Pray as well for the young people who are bold and courageous who walk the streets in protest, often and giving way to anger. But when anger is released prior, then anger is responded to in anger. Let us pray. Father, heal the land. If there is a need for a Pentecost, it is now. Where we have had our eye on COVID, 12 lives in our own city were taken last weekend. Violence all over the land. And before we can catch our breath from the atrocity of what we sense and feel with Ahmad Arbery, we are faced with the death of Breonna Taylor. Before we can get over the shock that the fact that those who have executed her run free and her significant other still remains incarcerated. While we're trying to wrap our minds around that, George Floyd is executed. 
right before our eyes. And as if that is not enough, we look across the land to see Peter Manfredonia, who kills two people and is allowed to be captured alive. Heal the land. If we don't hear from you, we don't know what to do. We try to play by the rules. We try to go along in order to get along. We get along as we go along. But at some point, God, we feel like burning down the village. While it is not acceptable behavior and we will never condone it, we'll be honest in our praise and in our protest. Sometimes we feel like it. I pray now, God, for a sense of relief. For hearts all over the land. Thank you for courageous leaders. Thank you for liberated white people. Thank you for Mayor Keisha Bottoms of Atlanta, who speaks with the heart of a mother and not the heart of a mayor, who speaks, dear God, to a nation, securing our black boys and our black girls. Thank you, God, for people with a conscience in a time where it seems that there is no conscience at all. Watch over the law enforcement men and women who do right in the land. Protect and shield them, for they often catch the brunt of the few who have done wrong. I pray now, God, for peace in the land. But I also pray for a different kind of fire to fall. Not the fire that burns down stores. Not the fire that burns up cars. But the cleansing power of your Holy Ghost fire. Let it fall fresh in our land this day. Cleanse unrighteous hearts. Cleanse minds. Sanctify hands and words. Separate us from anything that is not like you. Point us in the direction in which we should go and empower us like you did on the day of Pentecost. No longer let us be quiet about things that we need to speak up about. Let it not be him or her or this or that or this race or that race, but let it be all of your people who are called by your name. Give us a conscience, dear God that we'll speak truth in the face of power and we will not be afraid. It is not COVID that is killing the land. It is hands behind Glock 40s that's killing the land. It's knees compressed on airways that's killing the land. It's vigilantes that are riding in trucks that's killing the land. It's people that are kicking in doors that are killing the land. But Father, wherever someone seeks to do harm in the land, you heal the land. For I read in your word that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all of those that dwell therein. 
So not only do I want you to protect your people, God, I want you to also bring a heart within those who would do harm to lay down their plowshares and study war no more. Bring a sense of peace and conviction, God. Even where folk have done wrong and seen wrong done, let the officer that rode with the officer be convicted enough to tell on him right now in the name of Jesus. God, the only way healing will happen in the land is that we stand up and we truly claim who we are and we stand firm on your power. Not just another Pentecost day where we mark 50 days after a day, but let it be a day of cleansing Holy Ghost fire, falling fresh in the hearts and minds of men. Stop by the White House while you're on your way, God, where insensitivity reigns and the silent dog whistle continues to blow out loud and causes people to get up and act harm against other folk. Do what you got to do, God, to bring about change. Let peace begin with me on this earth. Let it flow throughout the land. God, we thank you because you are the God that sits high and you look low. You do all things well and all things in time. You can heal the land right now, God, if you so choose to. We humble ourselves in your presence in the name of Jesus. We don't just bow on our knees, we lie prostrate before you. For we realize that if your power is to fall fresh, we've got to lay face down before you, God. We've got to ask you to move on our behalf. You rule and you super rule. You reign and you reign high, God. You look in and you do what you choose to do. Because God, only you're able to get it done. We're helpless, but we're not hopeless. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In your home and all across the land. Hallelujah. Send a revival. Hallelujah. For every mother that's lost a child, hallelujah. For every father that worries about a child, hallelujah. For every protester that just wants to be heard, hallelujah. For every person that believes in righteousness wherever they sit, hallelujah. For every politician that speaks up, hallelujah. For every preacher that stands, hallelujah. For every mother, every father, every child, hallelujah. For every police officer that does right in your name, hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. After being brought in on trumped up charges and being paraded through the city in chains for all to see him put to shame, the one who was about to be crucified begins to speak. At his crucifixion, he cried for water to quench his thirst. He cried out in perplexity at his crucifixion because he didn't understand the brutality of his oppressors. 
nor why the onlookers seemingly abandoned him and justice on his behalf was not being sought. He cried out and spoke about his mother at his crucifixion. For he understood that when no one else in the world would help him, a mother will always respond to the cries of her child. And because of the design and intent of crucifixion, which is to asphyxiate its victim, the crucified one cries out as he loses bodily control. As blood begins to come out of his body and the insensitivity of the people around him can be heard from eventual co-conspirators as far away as Petal, Mississippi. When the crucified one cries out, I cannot breathe, as if others would say to him, if you can talk, you can breathe. After finally losing control of his bodily functions and blood runs from his body, the asphyxiated crucified one dies. These words seem so familiar to us because they bear great resemblance to the Savior's words as he was crucified on the cross. Yet these are the words of George Floyd as he lie being crucified on concrete. Concrete crucifixions were never spoken of in scripture. But this concrete crucifixion that we witnessed just a few days ago resembles the words of our Savior as he was crucified on a cross. Meanwhile, as if this concrete crucifixion is not heinous enough, there's another irony that this bears witness to. The similarity to the crucifixion in the cross or on the cross, there is another parallel that emerges this week that reminds us that there is an evil that exists among men. That while Jesus is about to suffer for a crime that he did not commit, and is not worthy of death, Barabbas, on the other hand, who is guilty as sin, is being treated like a king. That's right, George Floyd, who had not been convict, convicted of anything at the time of his crucifixion, lie crucified on concrete. While in the meanwhile, on the other side of town, Peter Manfredonia, who has already murdered two individuals, and is a fugitive from justice. He is armed and extremely dangerous, has heard the silent dog whistle that says, please call 911 and let us know where you are. Connecticut State Police Lieutenant John Aelio says at a press conference, we want to resolve this in a safe way. Please call us, we are waiting to listen to you. Listen, you say, when George Floyd is being crucified and says, I want water, I need my mother, I cannot breathe, please let me up. But on the other side of town, we're listening to Barabbas, who can call his own uh, terms in and be given water while he sits on concrete. Strange concrete that one man can be taken into custody on concrete and another man is crucified on concrete. 
What Barabbas is to Jesus, Peter Manfredonia must be to George Floyd. Being given this Barabbas who was clearly guilty and already convicted. However, the crucifixion on concrete has even more striking resemblances. You see, while George Floyd is being crucified on concrete and Peter is being able to turn himself into custody on concrete, Peter is given life's essential water, which is there to quench his thirst. And while George is begging for water, nobody seems to be able to find one. When you do the topography of what you see behind the scenes, there are no stores close to where Peter is, but yet somebody goes out of their way to get a bottle of water. But within the crucifixion range of George Floyd, there are four stores and anybody could have given him water. Water is a simple thing. It may not seem like much to you, but who should die on concrete, lying on concrete? Who should thirst while dying? Who should lie there and beg for water? And while we're listening to one in custody on concrete, another is being crucified on concrete. I would submit to you today as I prepare to take my seat already that we need a Pentecost. It was in Acts chapter 14, verse 2, that the Bible says that Peter stood up and raised his voice. You see, if we don't raise our voice, then Pentecost really hadn't taken place. You see, we watch Acts chapter 1 where Jesus tells the disciples to wait in Acts chapter 2 where the power of the Holy Spirit begins to fall fresh. But there is an action that takes place after the Holy Spirit comes. And oftentimes what happens to us is that there is no action after we get through shouting, Lord help me in here. We oftentimes feel ourselves in the place of Pentecost, but we don't leave with the power of Pentecost because we like to catch the ghost and not let the ghost live on the inside of us. You see, all too often what happened, we would grow up, is that we would go home and we would say, she caught or he caught the Holy Ghost. Well, the problem is we've been busy catching what ought to be dwelling. You see, in this particular so the scripture when Jesus comes to tell the disciples and he tells them in Acts chapter 1, you got to sit still, you got to be patient, you got to wait and the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to dwell in you. He's not going to come and visit you and empower you for moments so you can get up and do powerful things and then go back to being ordinary. He's going to dwell in you and a prerequisite of Pentecost is that we learn how to wait on the Lord. We've already learned how to wait on be on one accord but we got to learn that waiting time is over. You see, in order to grasp the purpose of Pentecost, after you get the prerequisite of Pentecost, you have to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And here it is, I want to share with you what happens to us is that after we've experienced the praise of Pentecost, after we catch the ghost, somebody just say, catch the ghost, we catch the Holy Spirit, and we like to say, ooh, the Holy Spirit made me do this and do that. But if the Holy Spirit never stands up in you and causes you to speak, then maybe we're missing an essential move of the Holy Spirit. Two things I drop in your spirit and I'll move out of your way. Don't leave Pentecost without the power that it came to bring you. Well, first thing I need to say to you in this, and I'm getting out of your way, there are two characteristics of Pentecost people, and I'm done. Number one, 
is that Pentecost people are peculiar people. Pentecost people are peculiar people. See, there's a peculiarity of the people who really experience Pentecost. And the peculiarity of Pentecost people is that you can call them what you want to call them. And they don't really give a good Pentecost about it. See, what happens when Peter begins to stand up, they start saying these men are drunk. They begin to say bad things about good people. But see, when you know who you are, you are no longer timid as you once were. You do understand that this is the same Peter whom had had the experience of denying Jesus Christ. But now he realizes who he is and he really don't care what the crowd think about him anymore. You recognize that when you get to the point that you realize that you are who you are and you are born the way you are born, you will do what you want to do and you don't care what nobody else think about it. You don't care if that dress wasn't made for you. If they got one in your size, you will get it. Or if you can find someone to make you one like it, you'll get it because it really wasn't made for a shape or a size. It was made for an attitude. Somebody going to catch that on the way home. Peculiar people are people who really don't care what anybody else thinks or says about them because they have been empowered by a power that does not come from man. Do I have anybody in here that knows that the power that God gives you cannot be controlled here on earth? Here's what happens to Peter. Peter stands up, and this Peter in Acts chapter 2, he stands up, and he begins to speak. He begins to do something that he is not accustomed to doing. He begins to say, let me take up for the Christ that I once denied. He begins to get loud. He begins to say, this ain't right. He begins to protest. He begins to march in place, if you will. He becomes a witness right there in the environment where he is. And even though the folk know his past, even though the people know where he came from, because people love to bring up your past whenever you stand up and start speaking your truth to power. But here it is strange to me that all of a sudden George Floyd lie dead, but now we want to check into his back when we already knew Peter's background, but yet he comes out alive in his situation. How is it that one man, handcuffed, dies on concrete, and another man walks in and gets handcuffed and is consoled on concrete? Peculiar people who've been touched by Pentecost really don't care when folk stop liking them because they say what they say when they see what they see. Here is what Peter said. Peter standing up with the 11 raised his voice. Now, here's what Peter's about to say. Though no one joined me, still I will follow. In other words, if you don't go with me, I'll go if I have to go by myself. In other words, I'm going to say what I say because I've seen what I see. In other words, when you've had an experience with Jesus, somebody just type in experience. Experience will lead you to a witness that is authentic that you've never, ever had before. 
See, there's some folk, some things you can't tell a healed person because when they know that God healed them, they don't care what anybody else say. They'll do a Barbara on you in a minute. They'll say, I know he will because they have experienced God before. I ought to have somebody in here today that has had an experience with God and whenever you had an experience with God, you don't care what anybody thinks or says because you know what he's done for you. People with a God experience, they'll stand up and start speaking and you can't take the mic from them. People with a God experience, even if you cut the mic off, they'll step over and use their outside voice. People with a God experience, when God has done something for them, they'll wait till you get tired. Then they'll go back and say, like I was saying before you interrupted me. People with a God experience, they'll say, well, when you get through talking, my story is still the same. People with a God experience who know that one day they were broke, but God fed them anyway. People with a God experience who were in college, but God paid the tuition some way, somehow. People who had a God experience who were in a hospital bed, but now they're walking around. People who had a God experience experience that was three notes behind and now they two notes ahead people who had a God experience you can't shut up folk that have had a God experience here's Peter and here's what I like the text says and Peter standing up raised his voice well I told you I only had two points and I'm get out of your way there's a peculiarity of people who experience Pentecost but there's a particularity of people who experience Pentecost. See, after you have been transformed, you become a transformer. After you have been touched by God, you begin to share what he's done for you so you can tell somebody else. After you have had your God experience, and folk look at you and see it and know that you're real about your business, you ain't got to convince them. They'll just start showing up and they'll join in and they'll say, we are with you. I noticed something real powerful uh, the other day that in one of the very peaceful protests, uh, I noticed that it started out with about eight or nine folk. It's then it got to be about 10 or 15 folk. And every time somebody tried to act up, they said, no, nah, we're not out here to act up. We just here to do what's right. And we want to honor God in the process of all we're doing. I said, it's strange when folks name of the Lord in the middle of a protest but then the more they stayed the course and did not have any trouble the more people joined them and said I'm going to stand with you I got to get out of your way but it said Peter stood up with the 11 but by the end of the tick it said and 3,000 folk came behind him and started following him and doing what Good evening, goodbye, may the Lord bless you real good, but I need to help you. If you had a real God experience and you've been transformed by his power, then you got power to help transform somebody else. Here's what we got to stop doing, and I need you to hear me before I get out of here. We need to stop leaving Pentecost with praise only and pick up the power. Praise without power ain't nothing. It's just a bunch of shouting. Shouting that does not translate to substantive service is nothing. Rituals and religion without results ain't worth having. And then 
will have the power to cancel the crucifixions that are taking place on concrete. The child that does not feel the warmth of the village will at some point burn it down. People who have not been touched by Pentecost fire will one day burn their city down. But those who have been touched by the power of God, they realize that you ain't got to tear nothing down to make change. You ain't got to worry about the saved folk that's marching. They've been touched by Pentecost fire. They ain't out there to tear nothing up. They have to, have to shake something up. We need to start shaking stuff up. What are we do? We're gonna tear some up now. No. We're gonna shake some up. Where does it begin? It begins in here, in our hearts, in the power of real Pentecost. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus. It's Pentecost Sunday. Our hearts are hurting. We've been witnesses to crucifixions on concrete. We have been witnesses to cries from concrete. Give me some water. Mama, where are you? I can't breathe. I've lost my faith. Y'all about to kill me. I'm about to die. These cries from concrete are reminiscent of cries from the cross. I thirst. Woman, behold your son. Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Into thy hands I commend my spirit. Yet, God, while one man lie crucified on concrete, a known killer is taken into custody on concrete. Given water, to quench his thirst brought about by his own actions, his own deeds. And we stand and we watch these injustices and our hearts are heavy for we don't know what to do. Heal the land, send the fire of Pentecost, let it burn away resistance and a lack of courage let it burn away anything that keeps us from doing your will we know the purpose we know the prerequisite and we know the power of the power but if that power doesn't make us peculiar and particular people about your mission 
maybe we're missing the message. Protect our children. They're confused and they're angry. They feel like some of us felt growing up or around the other periods of time of our ancestors in their lives. They are hurting. They're confused. They clearly see the injustice and wonder why it's taking so long. They're ready to take action and to take matters into their own hands. But I thank you that Ecclesiastes 8 and 11 does not end there. It goes on to say, though it seem as though evil is done and men get away with it, it shall be well with those who trust in the Lord. Trusting does not mean complacency. Trusting means that we put our action and heart in you but we do what we can show us what we should do and how to do it send the Pentecost in Jesus name all of those who love the Lord said amen somewhere you're listening and I invite you to become a part of First Baptist Church one of the exciting things that we wanted to share with you as we leave you at this time is that we'll be right back here if the Lord says the same next Sunday. But also share with your friends that at 8 a.m. on next Sunday to CW30, WLM, there you find us on the air seeking to reach those who may have trouble finding us on the internet and by web. So we've chosen this method to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ and the hope to many. I pray that you will join us either at the hour or as well at the 10 o'clock hour or however you like to do it, you can join us at both. We'll be glad to see you and I believe you'll be glad that you came. In the name of Christ, until we meet again, may God be with you. Amen. Amen.